This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 97. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there. Uh, welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'm really excited you're here to learn with me about apartment building investing. Today's topic is lead generation. How do I get more leads in to find more deals? And with me, I have Michael Quarles is my guest today, who is very qualified for this kind of topic because he's a founder of yellowletters.com. Heck, I used that back in uh, 2007 when we were, uh, or even eight, I don't know when it was, from when we started flipping houses. Great way. Single family house investors have been doing it for years. It's not really that common for multifamily. But you know, once you've talked to every single broker in town and you want to now increase your lead generation directly with the seller and the owners, this is a fantastic way to do it. So we talk about all the way kind of where you get the leads, how to send out the letters, and then also, you know, when the phone rings, what do you do then? And uh, and Michael's got this fantastic call center solution to kind of handle that. And he kind of goes through that. We also spend time, he talks a lot about, hey, in his experience, he's got a lot of it. He's been around a while. He's done a lot of things, serial entrepreneur, also a, a, a coach. You know, what separates the successful people from the unsuccessful people? And this is really, really valuable. I, I thought for, for me, it really makes you think about if I really want something, what do I, where do I need to get my mind to? In other words, so that I'll be successful with that. So we talk about that towards the end of the show as well. Uh, so today's show is sponsored by my own Financial Freedom Summit. It's an event I have twice a year. The next one is April 27th, 29th. It's in Northern Virginia. The website is themichaelblanc.com forward slash summit. And really, this is not a beginner multifamily course. It's an advanced course, a two-day workshop where you're going to experience what it's like to do your first deal. So you're going to be working in small groups together and you're going to be buying a 69 unit all the way from finding it, analyzing it, making offers, trying to get in a contract, doing due diligence, dealing with various issues that come up as they usually do, uh, getting the financing, raising the money, and hopefully closing the deal by the end of the weekend and cashing an acquisition fee check. So if that's something that you really want to do, check it out at themichaelblanc.com forward slash summit. And that's April 27th to 29th. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get right in the show here with Michael Quarles and Lead Generation. Michael, welcome to the show today. Thank you. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it because you've done more crazy entrepreneurial things than I have. I'm going to enjoy this immensely. So I know, I know about crazy things, but I've done a lot of things. Yeah, that's good. Good. All right. That's good. So before we get into your story here, give us a, just a brief overview of your what you've done so far leading up to today. Well, I am um, 56 years young and I started my career in real estate when I was an, an adult teenager. So at the age of 18 and like a half, I bought my first piece of property. It was, it was kind of a crazy story. I was, I was enlisted in the Air Force. I had a report date of October of that year. Sometime around September, I opened up the newspaper. I was just, I was, I was killing time. It said R2 lot for sale. I had no idea what R2 together meant, but I called the real estate broker and I bought it. And um, that was the beginning. Happened to be the only piece of property you ever bought from a broker, even though I am a California broker. I buy all my properties straight from the seller. Very nice. And that's exactly what we're going get, to get into. And you've uh, certainly done a lot of things in that respect. So we're going we're gonna to get into that right now. So you have this concept called wholetailing. And it's kind of like a systemized business model that allows you to buy houses and real estate, either in person or virtually. You created 1-800-SELL-FOR-CASH. You actually created yellowletters.com, which I've used as well. And then you have the Alex and Ryan call center to turn those uh, responses into deals. So you obviously kind of not only perfected the art of lead generation, but you actually create a lot of tools that a lot of real estate investors use. So I want to talk all about lead generation. So from a top level down, and, and the same thing, by the way, and we don't talk about it too much in multifamily because we, we do actually work with brokers uh, much of the time, but buying directly from the seller is by far the best way to go. So can you talk about at a high level, what high level strategy for generating leads? <laughs> there, there it is right there. <laughs> Woo! Wow. I think I just almost fainted. Most, I have that effect on a lot of people. So it's, it's not, it's not you. So for me, lead generation, which is the, the most pivotal part about 
being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, a lot of people go, I want to go on, I want to, I want to have a business, but they forget how to attract consumers to walk either through their door or pick up the phone and call them. And there are a lot of people that the only time they advertise is when they, when they buy the banner that says going out of business sell. And that's the worst time to market, right? And so I'm a big believer in in marketing. I'm a big believer in lead generation and I'm a big believer in both um, sweat marketing and paid marketing. Sweat marketing for me is things that we do on purpose ourselves. As an example, there are two types of people in the world. One's called a female, one's called a male. We're trying to bring in a third type. Nevertheless, there's still two types of people in the world. And if if it, it's our responsibility to tell those people our message and tell them what we do for a living. If any of our family and if any of our friends do not know what we do for a living, shame on us because they're called the center of influence. And if you believe in the six degrees of separation, if you tell someone to tell someone to tell someone to tell someone, you should be able to tell your message to the entire world, correct? That's right. So that's sweat marketing. And most of us don't do it because we're not confident in ourselves in meeting and greeting somebody. And I, I created a method called news, sports, purses, and shoes. And if you have a minute, I'll explain that. So, so <laughs> you're a guy, correct? Is that, yes. Okay. I'm, I'm just assuming, because some people identify as something else, so I'm just going to make sure. So if you and I were going to have a conversation, I bet something political, something newsworthy, something sportsworthy. I, if I didn't know you, I could come up to you and I could speak to that, right? And you might join in on the conversation or you could tell me to get lost. But most of the time, good percentage of the time, you and I can have conversation about sports and news. So on my way to work every morning, I listen to the news so I can have news topics to speak to when I come up to a stranger and I want to start my elevator speech. Because you just can't walk up to, to a stranger and say, hi, I buy houses for a living because they're going to look at you and like, okay, I don't want to hear you anymore. So you have to have an opening topic. Now, purses and shoes. I bet you don't have don't, a purse. I don't even have a man purse, Michael. I have a man wallet and I really like my man wallet. And because I believe in the MMA, no one's going to criticize me. So I know that women like their purses and their shoes. In fact, if you go out today and you tell a woman or a female that's a nice pair of shoes. She's going to be complimented. She's going to entertain the idea of the next statement out of your mouth, which is what you do for a living, right? Yeah. If you say that she has a nice purse and you can identify the purse, she's going to be more friendly to you. So that's the whole idea of meeting and greeting is having something to talk about before you actually broach the topic that you want at hand. A lot of us don't do that because it's difficult. We don't want to say hello to strangers. We should say hello to strangers because In my opinion, when we say hello to strangers, that helps us say hello to somebody who's a prospect that wants to sell us something when we make an appointment with someone and knock on their front door or call them on the telephone. So that's sweat marketing. So it could be physical. It could be cold calling. It could be something else. Paid marketing is like when you buy something from somebody to solicit someone to call you. And a lot of, in the real estate business, a lot of people will use a bandit sign. Some people will use a billboard. Some people will use a direct mail. But those are paid items. And we know what works. We know what doesn't work. As a guy that owns Yellow Letters, which happens to be the largest direct mail company for real estate investors in the country, I can tell you that there are things that people send out that, that won't work. Their phone won't ring. And there are things that I send out that will make my phone ring. How many bottled waters do you think Coca-Cola sells. No idea. If it's called a bottled water, what do you think's inside of the bottle? Water? Okay. It's not a trick question because Coca-Cola also sells Coke and they sell, you know, Coke one or Coke diet or whatever else they sell, but they have six bottled waters. Why do they have six bottled waters? Do you think? I don't know. Well, some people like square, some people like tall, some people like blue, some people like brown. So when you go up to your 7-Eleven, your AMPM, Minimart, your, your local convenient fast store where you're going to get your gas, and you go to the water refrigerator, is it six bottled waters from six different companies or is it six bottled waters from a single company? And Coca-Cola says, I don't care, just buy my water, right? So right. In the, and for me, the direct marketing, I send out six pieces of marketing, which is what I call cluster marketing. 
So I'll send you a postcard. I'll send you a yellow letter. I'll send you a different type of postcard. I'll send you a different type of letter. I'll send you a different type of letter, but I'm going to send you six pieces because I know not everybody wears jeans. Not everybody wears a suit. Not everybody looks like me. And one of those pieces is going to cause you to call me back. I don't care which piece. The other aspect of marketing, when I'm marketing out six pieces of mail, and let's assume for a second, you're a benchmark. Uh, Another word for benchmark for me is a competitor. So you're my benchmark. You're marketing to the same prospect that I'm marketing to. You're sending them the same thing every time you send them something. Every time you send them the same postcard, every time you send them the same yellow letter or whatever it is, the same professional letter. If I'm sending them six and you're sending them one, how many prospects does does a consumer think they're prospecting to them? Probably just one. Well, it has one. I'm sorry. I didn't ask the question right. I apologize. The prospect's one. They're getting seven pieces of mail. How many people are prospecting to them? Oh, are you saying there's seven of them total separately? They're all separate? They're all separate. So the yeah, consumer yeah. thinks there's seven people that are prospecting to them to buy their property. It's actually you and me. What are my chances of getting the phone call over you getting the phone call? Much higher. Right. It's cluster marketing. And cluster marketing was really created way back in the day of, of shopping centers. You know, you had, you had the two stores that went together and they go, oh, this is cool. I can create business for you. You can create business for me. Let's put a third one. Maybe that can create business for all of us. And then all of a sudden you have a shopping mall that has a thousand businesses in it, right? That's cluster marketing. In fact, it's proven that if you put a McDonald's or a, a Taco Bell or a Burger King or whatever you have on opposite corners, they'll make more money together than they will individually. That's, that's also probably why you have a lot of car dealers all located together. Right. It's, it's a fascinating phenomenon, actually. Yeah, good point. So when we market, we have to be really conscientious of what we're marketing, the message in which we're marketing, and then how we're doing it. And quite frankly, and, and this is a really tough one for me as the guy that owns Yellow Letters, what you say in your message to your consumer is not nearly as important as what you say to them when they call you on the phone. Because a lot of times, here's what happens. Let's, let's role play if you don't mind. You're going to be a seller and I'm going to be me. I have sent you something that causes you to reach back out to me at, and you have interest in knowing what I do. I'm going to say, ring, 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 ring. I'm going to answer the phone. You say whatever you want to say, all right? Fair enough? Right. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Michael with I Buy Houses. How may I help you? Yeah, you sent me something in the mail. Oh, I sent you something in the mail. Terrific. Did you have a house you were hoping to sell? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Well, outstanding. Is your house currently listed with a real estate professional? No. No, it's not. Very, very, very good. If I were going to send out an appraiser in today's market to get appraise your property, what do you think they would appraise your property at? I don't know, probably at 400000 400000 Interesting. So what I just did with you is I just... I made sure you were a prospect, right? Because most people that buy houses or buy properties, we're going to reverse this, okay? Or I'm not reverse it, but we're going to role play it again. So I'm going to say ring, ring, ring. I'm going to say, I'm going to answer the phone as the investor. You, you say anything you want to say, all right? Uh-huh. So we're reversing or doing, we're doing it again? We're doing it again. So you're all you, right. I'm me, you're the seller, I'm the buyer. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Michael with I Buy Houses. How may I help you? Hey, yeah, you sent me something in the mail. I sent you something in the mail. Oh, huh. Did you have a house? Did you want to sell a house? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. What's the address? Uh, I, I'm, I don't think I need to tell you that right now. Oh, oh okay. Well, well, thank you for calling. <laughs> right. So you're saying that the piece of marketing actually worked in both cases, but depending on, on how you actually respond to that makes all the difference. Well, it, it does because when we have a conversation, And when you listen back to this, we use embedded commands. We use positive, negative reinforcements. I used pace. I asked you specific questions causing you to qualify yourself to me. Because I don't have to qualify myself to you. You want my money. My money is more important to you than your house is to me, or you wouldn't have called me in the first place, right? That just makes sense to me. 
So I use embedded commands. I use pacing. I use um, positive, negative reinforcements. I use some neurolinguistics on the phone. Now, you'll notice that my voice will go up and my voice will go down depending upon your answer to the question which I've asked you. And you can ask, you can deviate from my question all you want. I'm going to come right back and I'm going to bring you right back to my script. And there's power in that. But a lot of people don't realize if they use the control of conversation, which I call negotiation. Because the art of negotiation really is me guiding you to a point of having my opinion. So when you give me my answer, I can agree to it. <laughs> right. Right. So if I, can, if I can instill in you an idea that caused you to believe it, you give it back to me, I can say yes to it. Make any sense? There's a lot of double yeses and negatives, but I think so. So in the, in the real estate investment world, especially in the single family world, a lot of people will say, I'll th- I'll, I'm going to throw out a price. I'll give you $100,000 for your house. Well, that's, that's a no question. You're going to say no, or you're going to say, great, now I know. Thank you so much. But if I ask you what you want to sell your house for, that's a, that's a different question, right? And if I can get you to, to learn how to say what I want to pay for your house, through negotiation, then we have a deal. And so that's so what we say after the call comes in is important. After that, I have to honor my commitment to you. So I have to have the ability to actually buy your house, right? Because just because entering into a contract is great, if I can't fulfill the contract on my side, I shouldn't enter into the contract in the first place and I've wasted all my marketing dollars anyway. So I call it lead generation, lead capture, lead fulfillment. And negotiation is a large part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's one of those things, like I said, in houses, it's, it's, it's done by the smart, you know, house flippers and, and, and wholesalers. It's not really done as much as a, a multifamily, but it's one of those things where I always say, when we're done talking to every broker in town, the next best thing is exactly sending out the, the yellow letters. The, the disadvantage of the yellow letters, of course, they cost money versus calling a broker does not. However, the main advantage is that you're dealing directly with the seller, which is huge. It, ma- it makes a huge difference. So it, I'm your guest. W- would it be okay for me to have a different opinion about that comment? Absolutely. Okay. So let's assume for a second, because I actually am a broker and I know in the real estate business, if I were going to charge someone to sell their house or sell their property, it would be 6 or 7%. Most of the time, it's going to be 7 I'm going to pay my selling broker 4%. I'm going to pay my listing broker 3%, but it's going to be a 7% fee. All right? So if I buy a $4 million piece of property, 7% of $4 million is $280,000, right? I can send a lot of pieces of mail out for $280,000. So all we're, because you and I both know how to buy and sell property. We don't need a trained professional to guide us through a closing. We know how to do it. So if the only use that I see in a broker is finding me an opportunity, I know how to market to find the opportunity. Now that doesn't mean that brokers aren't valuable because they are in, in the hotel model. I use brokers every time to sell my property because if I'm making 35%, and that's what I intend to make every time I buy a property, and it only costs me 7% to sell, why do I want to apply any attention to selling a piece of property? Besides that, if I hire a broker, I'm not hiring a broker. I'm hiring all the brokers that belong to the multiple listing service. And I'm also attracting the buyers who aren't within my market because a lot of if you're an out-of-town buyer, the only choice you have is to find a broker in the market you want to buy in, correct? You're not going to drive a neighborhood. That's if right. you live in New York, you're not going to go to Texas and drive a neighborhood and try to find a piece of property to buy. You will call a broker and say, hey, what's listed on the multiple listing service? Now, in your business, I can absolutely understand and appreciate why you, you look at brokers to bring you opportunity. In my market, in my, in my arena, I don't need them. But the single yeah. family, multifamily are different. They're a little different because there's obviously a lot less multifamily than there are than there are uh, there are houses. But again, the, the advantage of dealing directly with a seller are, uh, as you just pointed out, actually are pretty immense. And not only are you actually getting less for the property because you're not having to pay, or the seller doesn't have to pay a commission to a broker, 
but more often you're dealing with uh, sometimes uh, unsophisticated sellers who don't really know sometimes what their property is worth as sometimes on the on single family houses. Well, so dealing- But here, see, in my case, I'm a little, I guess, I always believe in these three things. I believe you should do things legally, morally, and ethically, and in that order. Because if if legal was on top, things can be legal, but not ethical or moral. And the difference between ethics and morals is morals are things that I believe in and my person believes in. Ethics are things my business believes in and carries out and says, I have to follow. And so there is a huge difference. So if you do things morally and ethically in my contract, it actually tells the seller, you told me an appraiser would appraise the property for 400,000. I'm buying it at 65 cents of 400,000. I'm telling them in advance, it must appraise for 400. I'm not giving you 400. It also tells the seller within my agreement that I'm going to market it and sell it for 400,000. And I'm going to start doing that immediately because I want to be super honest. I never want to pull the wool over anybody's eyes and sellers aren't, they're not, they're not dumb. They understand what we do. They need our money. They need out of their situation. They can't, and maybe in your case, they're tired of the toilets that's broke all the time, or they can't manage it, or they, they've gone through their write-off periods. So it, it's no longer an advantage to them. It's a disadvantage to them. And, um, or they're at that age group where they've made a bucket load of money, they just, and now they want to go and travel. So you know, there's reasons people diminish the value of a piece of property to themselves and want our money. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I, I think the system you have is, is is a good one where you need something to gen, to get the phone to ring, but then you need you need to be able to answer the phone properly, work the person, and then you need to be able to perform. Uh, the piece that's that's missing is uh, I think some people might ask, well, where do I get the the actual addresses of the apartment building or the property owners? What what are some of the resources there that you see for that? Well, in all of my research, and this 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 started probably about 15 years ago, we have uh, First American Title, and we have Fidelity National Title. And those are pretty much the two large title companies. And for for people that may not know what a title company is, it's the company that issues title policies to guarantee to both the buyer and the lender the ownership of the property. But in their compiling of the information, and they've started many, many, many years ago, uh, they know all the properties that are out there. They actually have a footprint. Now, First American Title's footprint's bigger than Fidelity's footprint. And so First American title, oh, probably three quarters of a dozen years ago, uh, merged with CoreLogic, which was a company that had a bunch of algorithms, and they created what they call ListSource. And so you can go to ListSource.com. You can plug in a criteria. You can say, I want people that have 50% equity, have owned a piece of property seven years or longer. I want it to have a minimum of this many units or no more than this many units. I want it to be in this rural area. I want the owner of the property to be 60 years or older. I want this, I want that, and I want another thing. And it's going to spit back to us the mailing address and the characteristics of that property. You can go to Finis or Fidelity National Title, and they have what they call Site X and do the same thing, but their footprint isn't as big. And then there's some offshoots from that, some local providers. I like ListSource the best because it's at my fingertips and it's countrywide. Kansas is about the only state that none of the list providers supply in because it's just not, op- it's not public record. Texas is a little bit harder on that too, but we can still find some good information in Texas. For the rest of the country, we can find really good information. And we can do it at a, at a really fast pace, fast speed, because speed counts. When we're wanting to market to an area and we see a hot market, we've got to hit that market hard. And for me, I know a market where the rent, rent rolls are exceeding the mortgage rolls, I want to hit that market. Because I know I'm going to have the person that is now ready to go from a tenant to a homeowner, they can justify it because they're, they're paying more for a tenant to be a tenant than they are for the homeowner, irrespective of the tax write-off. So if, so if I have a, a 4% interest rate and I have a, a, a 10% tax rate and I have an insurance rate and those together are less than my rent payment, I want to hit that market hard. Now, I happen to believe that there are certain criteria that we want to hit and I like two-thirds median. So if I'm in a if I'm in an area where let's say the median's four hundred thousand, 
I'm not going to market to 400,000 or higher houses. I'm going to market to the, the houses that are, that are two thirds of 400,000 because that's where the meat and potatoes are in the market. And then I want to look for in that tier of two thirds, I'm going to break that tier up and I want a large percentage of the properties that are in the bottom third and the middle third of that two thirds. Because I know if a market has hit the two thirds appreciation rate already, then I don't have a lot of room for my property to appreciate during my escrow closing period. And I want that to happen as fast as possible. So I want to take a property where it's a $400,000 market. I'm buying at two thirds of 400,000 or I'm marketing at two thirds of 400,000. But the property I buy may be only 180,000. I know that $180,000 house is going to climb at a faster rate than a house that's already at 320. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense mathematically, but it's a proven formula. And so we run mm -hmm. an algorithm on every market we hit. And so we're, when we look at a market, I'm sorry I'm taking a lot of time, I apologize. And you stop me when you want to stop me. But what, we run an algorithm on every market we hit. So we just don't blindly go into a market. We look for a market that has a high percentage of cash investor buyers, not cash buyers, but cash investor buyers. So absentee buyers, we go into a market that has a stable amount of single families per zip code. We go into a market that has a high foreclosure rate or an NOD rate or trustee resale rate. We go into a market that has a 50% of the NOD or trustee sell rate in a um, REO market. We want low days on market. We look at median values. We look at how many, what the equity position for that city is. And then we cut it into thirds and we run this whole algorithm and we have two algorithms. We lay them on top of each other and it tells me what market to hit. And we hit that market. We buy a bucket load of houses. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's actually even easier with multifamily because I don't actually have to buy under market. I don't even need to find a bargain, right? The, the, no, the, you the don't. The nice thing about multifamily is I can I can pay fair market value, uh, but typically what I'm looking for is, is a mis self-managed, mismanaged building that I'm paying fair market for. I would go in there and fix it up, increase the NOI, and then of course sell it for or refinance it at a profit. The real key thing, and which is why what I love this so so much, is that really getting to the the seller directly, going to list stores, getting, and there's a lot fewer apartment buildings than there are houses, right? So it's not like I have to pay, spend hundreds of dollars of of marketing each month. It's much less than that. Uh, right. Now the script's going to be a little different, but I'm sure the you know if I remember correctly uh, at the call center, you can tell them exactly what you want them to say, and these guys are professional. They answer the phone all hours of the day. They will pre-qualify the buyer, send you the lead, and now you can follow up with that person. And it's it's something that if you're consistent with it, can definitely produce results. And again, dealing directly with that with that uh, that that seller is so key versus uh, versus working with a broker in a, in a lot of cases. So I love this as a compliment to working with the brokers, as you said, on the commercial side, there tends to be more brokers because they do exactly what we're talking about here, the good ones do. Right. They're the ones sending the postcards, sending the letters, calling you out for lunch, right? That's what they that's what they do. And so they, you know, they're going to be one of the first persons that someone will call. Right. But but getting at the seller directly with this kind of strategy is is fantastic. Well, when when we when we developed our call center, and so a real estate investor, if they wanted to, because a lot of us have this is a second job. This isn't a primary job. So we're an attorney, we're a truck driver, we're a school teacher. And we want to we want to create wealth in real estate, but we can't do it full time yet because it's not producing fruit yet. So we have a call center and our call center has what we call Alex's, Ryan's, and Angel's. And I'll break those down for you really quick. And Alex is the person that answers the phone that says, hello, this is Alex with I Buy Houses. How may I help you? Or, or Alex with 1-800-SELL-FOR-CASH. And Alex, uh, and they're all unisex names, if you notice, Alex, Ryan, and Angel. And the reason for it is because oh all the Alex's are Alex's. So they, every one of them answers the phone as an Alex. My Ryans are my, my negotiators. So if, if the Alex qualifies them and sets an appointment based upon a, a mathematical formula that we have within our script, then they set an appointment for a Ryan. The Ryan gets involved and tries to create an opportunity. If they can't create an opportunity from a cash basis perspective, so we, tell, we negotiate with the seller. The seller gives us a price. They're only willing to come down to 82% of a value and I want 65% in order to give them my cash, then it goes to my angel who then now can start negotiating terms. 
because with terms, you can make money with terms. So I can make the difference between 65% and 82% with a good term set. And that's my, that's my angel. So we have it down to a really good formula of, I know how to choose a market. I know the cluster marketing pieces I'm going to market to that market with. I know the scripts and I know who's going to do what. And at the end of the day, we get contracts. Yeah. Love that. Love that. You guys, you guys have worked it out to, uh, to, and now, yeah, this is, is this adaptable to the multifamily space or something, anything else? That's obviously going to be different, but the system is going to be the same. How would you, how would one modify this uh, towards multifamily? This, the scripts are just going to be a little bit different, Yeah, but it's there. And I, we don't knock on doors, by the way. So we don't see property. And the reason for that is because when I, when my Ryan or my angel gets something under contract, so we send out DocuSign, DocuSign comes back to us, signed, everybody's happy. The first thing I do is hire a BPO, a broker's price pin. It costs me 150 bucks. And I know that a BPO is typically done by an REO agent who understands that market. And if that BPO comes back correctly, so if the seller said it was worth $2 million, the BPO comes back $2 million, that's great. I'm then going to then I'm going to do my prelim. I'm going to make sure I'm talking to the owner. In strange cases, you're not necessarily always talking to the person who can make the decision. Either they've died or they're trying someone's trying to flip on a on a wholesale transaction or an assignment transaction. I always want to talk to the seller. My third person I send out is an appraiser. I want the appraiser now to tell me it's worth $2 million. And then the fourth person I send out is a home inspector. I want someone to tell me what's wrong with the property. When I get those numbers coming back to me, again, I don't knock on the door. I don't have any boot on the ground in the market, but I do have four professionals. Those four professionals cost me a grand. I'm willing to spend $1,000 to justify making a considerable amount of money, and I can do that anywhere in the country. And multifamily is not unlike. In fact, I'm thinking in my head, and we when we do stuff, we do stuff very similar because typically we invest out of out of area, right? So we can't go and knock on the door. So we have to have a system or someone else to help us before we actually hop on a plane and do that. And it's not unlike what you're describing, actually. So so I love that. I really I really like like this idea of applying something a little bit more scale for for multifamily because it's 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 very very similar. So. Thank you for sharing this with us. It's something that we don't normally uh, do and talk about in a, in a grand scale. And I think uh, I think we should definitely consider it. So anyone right. listening out there who wants to generate leads for multifamily, a uh, great way to get started with ListSource, Yellow Letters, and Alex and Ryan Call Center. So awesome. If I can add one more before we go on to another topic. And this is something that will tell the story. And that and, and it's it's very difficult to do because we don't think they'll do it for us. But if you have a seller on the phone, whether it's multifamily or single family, if they will send you pictures of their complex, if they will send you pictures of the inside of their house, the outside of their house, those pictures will tell you things that the seller will never tell us. Because in your case, you can see deferred maintenance. You can see an unkept property. You can see value that's not being consumed. You know, something about the property is, is not where it should be that you can trigger yourself and say, hey, they're telling me I can make money on it based upon the pictures. Because to them, the pictures are perfect. I mean, let's face it. It's a beautiful child. But you're looking at that picture and you're saying it's the ugliest child I've ever seen. But I can put makeup on it and I can increase the value of that. And just by asking those questions, it's the last question we ask on our script is, when we get done, we're going to send you an email. Can you reply with that email with pictures of the property? And the majority of the time they do, and it tells the story. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Love that. Love it. So let's raise it up a little bit because um, you really love helping people become successful. And you've been doing this a long time, and you've seen a lot of people be successful and fail. What is it that do you think stops most people from being successful? What separates the ones that are from the ones who just simply are not? I think it's... I think it's a series of six words. And if I, if you may indulge me just a minute, I'll explain the six words. As I explain them, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you your definition of them. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you if they're good words or bad words. They're just six words that define to me the difference between success and failure or success and not as much success. Define the word want. Want something I don't have. 
So you want something that you don't have. Define the word need. Something I, something, hmm, <clears throat> something I need to live. Something I can't live without. Okay. Define the word hope. Some, something I hope, uh, something I would like to have. Okay. So now define the word require. Require, something I need. That's, it w- okay. But you define two words as something I need. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or you, you define need as something that, so what does require really mean? So let me, let well, me give you an analogy. Yeah. You and I were in a battle. We're in a physical man-to-man battle. There's a, there's a pool of water and I push your head in that water. One of the thoughts that you could have in your brain is, I hope I can get out of this water. I hope I can defend myself. The other one you could say is, I need to get out of this water. I hope I can defend myself. And the other one is, I want to get out of this water. (laughs) I want to defend myself. But if we look at the perspective of require, and it's different because if your head's underwater, you're required to get out of that water or something negative is going to happen, correct? So when I look at those four words together, I think a lot of people say, I want to become a real estate investor. I need to make more money. I hope I can do this. And they live their life based upon those three words. Those very three words push them to do whatever they do in their day, but those three words alone don't accomplish anything. If they would change their thought process instead of saying, I hope, I need, I want, and say, I require myself to be successful. Every decision I make will be based upon that requirement, not a hope requirement, not a need requirement, not a want requirement. Every time I choose to eat, every time I choose to spend money, every time I choose to do something with my body, is it making me fulfill my requirement to myself? When you require yourself to do things, what happens? There's no other, there's no other choice. There's no plan B. You have to succeed. You achieve. It's that success, right? So if we look at those, those five words, hope, want, need, require, achieve, those five words together aren't enough. And this is where I think most of us fall down is we forget what's required in the word require, and that's self-respect. We have, to be, we have to have our own self-respect. We have to respect ourselves enough to require ourselves to succeed. It's, it's, not, it's not a matter of just thinking about it. It's not a matter of just maybe doing it once a week. It's not a matter of, I went to the gym yesterday, I'm tired today, I don't have to go back. It's having enough self-respect to push yourself through the pain, through the obstacles, jump over the hurdles, and that success will become an achievement. But we don't look at life that way. We settle. You know, because, and here's the reason why. You're a leader. I can tell you're a leader or you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. People follow you because they follow leaders. They want to follow leaders. That's why we have leaders. If everybody were a leader, we would not have any leaders, right? Right. You have to require yourself to be a leader. Leaders don't want. They don't hope. They don't need. They require themselves to be a leader. You got out of bed this morning. You had an action you were going to take to achieve this, to have this success. You told yourself this wasn't a maybe conversation. This wasn't a I might get there conversation. This was, I'm required to be there today at this time, having this conversation, talking about this topic. That's it's, what leaders do. Yeah, It's so important. I have observed something very similar. People who are successful is that they, uh, their current situation is totally unacceptable to them. In other words, they need to, they require a different life. And the people who are not successful with anything, losing weight, smoking, or becoming a millionaire, whatever it is, that means that their current life is acceptable to them. So their plan B is actually pretty pretty attractive. There's really no need to, to change it, even though they'll probably lie to themselves and say, you know what, I really need to lose weight. Right. I really need to quit my job. But really, my, my current job, my, my current life ain't so bad. I don't require 
achievement because, well, it's pretty good without it. And so, and so my observation, it's interesting that you, they picked that, you, you said that is people really need to require something. It's, it's not a nice to have. It's something that is, that has to happen. And there can be no plan B because I need to have it so much. There's something in my life that's to me so unacceptable. I need to change it. And they need to decide at that point that that's what they want. That's why I have this quote behind me. Tony Robbins, it's your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. And I love that one because a lot of times everything comes from that point. Is do I like you said? Do you do you need or want something, or do I require it? A huge difference. So when we go back and I think about those six words: need, hope, want, require, achieve, self-respect. How do you determine that you truly require it? Because it is just a word, right? It's like yesterday and tomorrow and today. They're just words. But how do we know we require it? I mean, I know I require air, water, and food, right? We know that. But how do we know we require success? How do we know it? What is it about the success that is required? So here's what I challenge everybody to do. And, and this, is, this is a challenge that if, if I had 100 people lined up, and this is not the Tony Robbins, take your shoes off, walk across coal, but it's probably as difficult. If I had 100 people lined up and I said, how do you know you require something? Let's say they all said, I require success. How do you know it? And they're all going to give me 100 different answers. Some of them are going to be similar. They're going to be different. But until you go to the car lot and drive the Lamborghini or the Rolls Royce, negotiate that price all the way down to signing the bottom line and handing them $340,000, you won't know if you require it until you go to the, the travel agency and taste and feel and touch and view what it, where you'd go on this large vacation. You won't know if you require it or not until you visit a friend that's so wealthy, the wealth that you think you require you won't be able to realize it. What I did, I said I wanted a larger home. I said I require to be wealthy. I require myself to succeed in life. And in order to do that, I need to know what it feels like. I wanted to know if it felt good enough for me to base all of my decisions on requiring it. So being a broker, I have a little lockbox key. And there was a house for sale. It was a mansion. I made myself an appointment all by myself. I walked into this mansion, this huge house I could not afford. It was so far in the future of my ability of success, I could not touch it with reality. But I laid on this man's bed. I put my head on his pillow. And I laid there. And I felt what it felt like. If I treated myself with the word require, if I lived my word with the word require, this experience would be the rest of my life. And until we do those things, we won't know. They're just words. Hmm. So that's right. You, you've, you've got to, be, you have to at least, you have to at least taste the caviar one time. You have to go out there and at least attempt to see what it feels like. So I can tell you, I have driven a thousand dollar vehicle and I can tell you my Rolls Royce is a heck of a lot better. And I can tell you that understanding the difference in requirement made that Rolls Royce possible because they do the same thing. A thousand dollar car goes down the road the same way a Rolls Royce goes down the, down the road. And I don't say I own a Rolls Royce to brag. I say I own a Rolls Royce because I have self-respect. I respect myself enough to do those things I require myself to do to have the success I want in life. Yeah, look, we, we got to be clear with what we want. If we're not clear what we want, then we're going to get exactly that, a muddled whatever it is we have right now. So gaining clarity in that way, you, you, you see and touch and feel, so you become clearer of what, what you not just want or need, but you, what you can't live without. You know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of things with, with real estate, a lot of people want to invest in real estate because they want to quit their jobs, right? 
well, what does it feel like to be financially free where you control your time? A lot of people can't wrap their heads around that or a lot of people don't want it enough, right? But that's what's required is I want to. I don't want to be gone during a day where my kids are are doing this or doing that. I require to be there you know, during the, during the day, and that's a very good point. So, and then you know, the, the guy or the gal that wants to quit their job and doesn't is quitting themselves. And there's the self respect, which is all I, I like that. That self respect. They don't respect themselves enough, and, and right. frankly, they're actually a little selfish if I think about it that way as, as well, right? I mean, I you you shared with me something that requires a huge amount of self-respect from That's you right. to yourself. That's right. And not everybody has that. But if you look, if you line up successful people and you, you ask them secretly to write down what was it that caused them to be successful, they're not going to say they got out of bed. They're not going to say, I wanted to. I was hoping to. Some of them will say I inherited it, but most of them will say, I did those things that no one else was willing to do. And I sacrificed the things I wanted to do, or I wanted to have at the time because I had enough self-respect to require myself to succeed. Yeah. I forced my success because, you know, real estate investing, it looks like it's easy. It's one of the hardest things you can do in life because it takes a paradigm shift. I mean, we're so, we're so comfortable doing nothing. It's hard to do something and we're unwilling. Yeah, you're so right. If people, anyone watching this, all you have to do is do it. Make it, go out and figure out what you want to do. Make sure that what you want to do is what you truly want to do by laying your head on the rich man's pillow. If that's what you want, everybody can have it because there's people like yourself. There are people like me that will help you, that will guide you, change your friends. I can tell you the moment I became what quote unquote wealthy, whatever that means in life, I lost all my friends because they no longer understood me. Well, if you're going to lose your friends anyway, and you want success, go change your friends now. Go ask a rich person, can I be your friend? I'm poor. I want to be just like you. They will absolutely hug you and bring you into their circle because those of us that have been on the other side of poor, I mean, on the side of poor, will bring those people along with us. We will mentor them. Yep, that's right. All you have to do is ask. That's right. So I, I love sh sharing your experience and your wisdom. And I, I love that. How, how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? I'm I'm pretty simple. My name is Michael Quarles. Quarles is spelled Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. My website is Michael at MichaelQuarles.com. My email is Michael at MichaelQuarles.com. All they have to do is send me an email. And and, and here's my message to everybody. And I and I do this, I, I hope I do it daily. If someone doesn't have what they need that they feel they need for success, you give me a phone call. And I will change your opinion about yourself. I will absolutely take you from this poverty mentality to an abundance and a prosperity mentality. And I'll do it because the only difference between being poor and being successful is your state of mind. All you do is reach out to me and I'll tell you. Love it. That's all it is. I love it. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for being on the show, Michael. Thank you, sir. So real estate is a numbers game, okay? Everyone knows this. And then sometimes we're surprised, especially when we're multifamily investors, that if we make an offer and it doesn't get accepted, we don't close on this deal, all of a sudden we're shocked that we're not doing any deals, okay? That's horse manure. I mean, you know, it's a numbers game. And it all starts with lead generation. Leads come in a variety of different ways. They can come in through brokers. That's normally what I say is, a, is the best way for you to uh, to generate leads because brokers make it their job to know every apartment building owner in the city, at least the good ones do. So contacting them and getting on their buyers list is a low-hanging fruit, okay? But once you've talked to everybody, the next best thing is direct mail. And this yellowletters.com, the company that Michael 
found it is a great way to do it. ListSource is going to be where you get your apartment for your apartment leads. And I suggest calling them. So don't do it online, but actually call them and have them put the list together for you as well. It's a little tricky with multifamily, uh, unlike the single family house stuff. And then send out these different postcards and these letters. And Yellow Letters makes it really easy to do that. And then I would suggest either answering the phone yourself or better at using uh, Michael's call center to answer those questions and qualify them. So it's a really great lead system once once you actually have a relationship with the brokers. So love that. If you're part of the Ultimate Guide course, if you have the Ultimate Guide to Buying Apartment Buildings, I actually have six sample letters in there that you can use to apartment building. And the goal is really to get the phone to ring. That's what you want to do. You want to get the phone to ring so you're not going to make a proposal through them in the letter. You're going to get them intrigued enough for them to want to call you and talk to you. Okay, so that's really the purpose of those letters. And I also really liked about what he said about successful versus unsuccessful people. So this this thing about require, we always talk about your big why, but it goes more than your big why because the difference between require and need or want is huge. There's this giant chasm between the two. And so I like what he says about that it, you need to require, and it keeps saying you got need to require something. So if you want to quit your job with real estate, it's not like a need or a want. I require to quit my job. And there can be no plan B. So I really love that. Really ask yourself how badly you want something. And it better be on the order of I require this to happen because otherwise it's going to be very difficult for you to be successful at quitting your job. All right. So I hope that helps. As a first next step, I encourage you to download my free ebook. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building Deal. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash ebook, themichaelblank.com forward slash ebook. You can get that free ebook for you and get started with raising money. And again, it's a reminder to check out the Financial Freedom Summit, April 27th. That is themichaelblank.com forward slash summit. All right, if you guys love the show, definitely subscribe to it so you get the new episodes and leave me a review on iTunes. I love seeing those, really appreciate it. And if you have a success story, if you've just quit your job with multifamily, I definitely want to hear from you and, and maybe even have you on the, sh- on the show. If you know someone that would love me to have you on your show, also let me know that. Or you know someone that has something that I can share with the multifamily community, reach out to me and we'll have a conversation. So appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me. Hopefully that was useful. I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.